has made me who I am and who I be. So luckily, in love with paper, dodge the street and the concrete. I hope my second life is looking pretty sweet. Been done dirty, gotta end it, that's the only way I sleep. And so I'm gathered here today in memory of all the snakes and face and double faces, same as family. I let it go, I let it free and let it be. I close the casket, watch it drop, I walk away and say my peace. In 2015, I received an email uh, from Matt at Mac Media with a link to a new track by Minneapolis DJ producer MC Mally. The track was called Say My Peace. It was dope. I liked it right away. Uh, I wanted to hear more from him. Uh, he dropped an album in 2015 called The Colors of Black Album and then went on a national tour with Rhyme Savers artist Brother Ali. And then I didn't hear from him in a while until recently in uh, September 2019. Uh, Matt also sent a link to a new track by Mally, and I am super excited that he's still doing music. And now I get to talk to him on the library with Tim Heineke. Thank you so much for being here. Nah, man, appreciate you uh, having me. Appreciate the, the intro, or, you know, you uh, introducing me as, as properly as you, as you did. So yeah, it's good to be on the, on the show and and. Um, and chop it up, you know, for a little bit. So I appreciate it. That's good. Thank you. Uh, so I, you know, I definitely want to talk about the new album, the journey um, to a smile. But you know, I this would be a question I would ask you in 2015. So I have to ask you now. But what what originally attracted you to rap music and hip hop culture? Kind of what did you want to get from it, and then what did you want to contribute to it? Yeah, I think um, you know the, the thing that really you know brought me into to music goes all the way back to like childhood. Um, and, you know, being, you know, three, four years old, <clears throat> I mean, seeing some of my, like, idols at the time growing up as a child from, you know, Michael Jackson to Stevie Wonder and, you know, those are kind of like the, the, the starters as far as, like, the music in general uh, across the board. But then as far as, like, as I got older, you know, you know, being, like, eight, nine, ten years old, just really seeing artists like you know, crisscross when I was even really young as a kid and just, and just kind of having something to somebody like to, to mimic or that you thought was cool. They also had good music and they were speaking to you and your experience about being young and being a, a kid and, and just having fun and, and dressing cool and, and kind of imitating those people and, and believing in like what it is that they did. And then as I got older, you know, a lot of the other artists that I listened to, um, like Bone Thugs and Harmony, Do or Die, um, Twister, um, you know, and then some down south artists like A Ball and MJG, GK, nice. uh, Kingpin, Skinny Pimp, just a uh, rapping forte, like just a bunch of different types of music because my family's from the south originally. Mm-hmm. So um, the Midwestern um, and Southern style of music was like the, the two biggest types of artists, and then West Coast artists like Pac. Um, came into the fold really early on at, at a younger age. And then the East Coast really took my, caught my interest when I started getting into to writing. And the thing that really like drove me to like really enjoy hip hop music or just be a part of rap culture in general was just the, just the way it was presented. Like guys, just the way they presented themselves seemed as if like, oh, they were really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just all of it. And then just the things that they were saying, it just seemed like they knew who they were, what they wanted to be, what their image was, and they were presenting something that was 100% authentic in themselves. And I think, you know, that's like the nearest and dearest thing that you can attach to, especially if, 
you know, and being an only child, it's like not having any older brothers, not having, you know, father around. So it's like when you see guys that are like older than you doing something that looks cool or looks, you know, positive, whether the music isn't necessarily the most positive, it's like you gravitate towards, you know, gravitate towards that. And it kind of influences how you dress, uh, how you talk, how you walk, and you, and you want to be a part of those things. Um, at a very young age, at least for me. Mm. And then when I turned, you know, 14 and 15 is when I really started getting into the place of, like, studying certain artists, like uh, Idea, who's from Minneapolis, when I saw him battle. Like, he was one of the first people I saw freestyle off the head and, and battle and, like, destroy, like, everyone from, didn't even matter the region, it could be the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. And he was just super dope at it. So seeing someone from here do that, and then branching that out to the artists, like like really studying Big, studying Jay, really studying Nas, and not just the singles, but like really studying their B-side cuts and like how they really put words and put uh, syllables and like songs together and how mm. they rapped and how they and, and just how they played with words. Um, and just seeing how dope it was and being like, oh, like, this is really dope. And then the mixtape era was like a big influence in my life, too, with like K-Slay, DJ Big Mike, who kid. And you learned about so many different artists from different regions. You know, you learned about, especially the East Coast, you learned about their slang, the way they dressed, um, different neighborhoods, different blocks, uh, just all of it, from the positive stuff to the, to the negative stuff, too. It was like, in the freestyle era had really shifted to right it was like dudes writing spitting written verses over you know a well-known beat but it'd right. be some of the like dopest you know uh shit in the world it'd be like fabulous with big and that lloyd banks cassidy uh poster boy um uh, i could paul kane stack bundles like i could name so many dudes that like i loved growing up when i was in high school you know G obviously the junior era um with 50 and, and yayo and banks and that whole movement. So that was like a big, if I'm being like completely honest, like who really inspired my style um, early on and what made me want to get into it. And a lot of it was like, you know, you want to be cool. You want people to think you're, you know, like the man, so to speak. Mm -hmm. and, and you want to be saying like the coolest stuff. And then that like, that branched off into me studying then some of the older guys that some of my like favorites from the East Coast looked up to. Like Jay was obviously a big, Daddy Kane fan or Fab was a big Daddy Kane fan. And when I go back and listen to their records, I'm like, oh, that makes complete sense. Like, they got, or, or G Rap or Anaz or a Rakim, like, you really get a chance to see who, who inspired the guys that you look up to and where they got maybe some of their inspirations and style from. So, pulling from like a Jay Z, Anaz, a Tupac, uh, a Big Boy, or, you know, later on, Fonte from, from Little Brother. Mm -hmm. It really was just around, like, being cool, being dope, but then also, like, wanting to say the dopest line, but still, like, telling your story and not just making it about spitting the tightest verse, but still having bits and pieces of your life tied into, um, you know, tied into the verse um, and tied into the, to, the, to the music. Oh, and Joe Budden. I can't leave Joe Budden out. Like, Joe <laughs> Budden was another, like, he was another one. Like, in every, and people used to give me flack being a Joe Budden fan back in the day, like in 02, 03, when he was on the clue tapes, he was this he was just disgusted. Like and and he was like, Oh man, he's only got one song. I'm like, no, Joe Budden's got joints, bro. Like <laughs> <laughs> Joey's got he can make 
songs for the girls. He can spit for eight minutes with no problem. Uh, he can make the introspective records. He can, you know what I mean? Like the party joints. He was just so well-rounded. And I felt like his, his shine got lost maybe in some personal stuff uh, or dealings with, with a label, as well as I think people writing him off for just having the one song pump it up, which is kind of like a, a disservice. Right. I think hip-hop in general, or just even people who say they listen to music, but only like say, but only like, he only got has one song. It's like, do you really search or look for an artist? So it was really just about saying the, the dopest um, lines and having some of the dopest material as well as like dressing nice and, and being cool. That was the, the impetus for me that really got me into, to, and then also just being like being connected to one's, one's manhood and like learning from those guys, like what it was like to, at least from an outward perspective, be a, be a man, like grow up. And, and, you know, some of it wasn't the most positive, but then there were other elements that were really positive too, depending on the artist you were listening to. So, yeah. So when did you, uh, and all this, when did you start actually, uh, I guess, putting, you know, pen to pad or, you know, even, even freestyling in your head to kind of, you know, find your identity, you know, find you, yourself yeah. as an artist? The first first time would probably have to be 14 or 15 years old. And I think if I could, the, the moment that I always think about the most is when uh, the Dynasty came out mm -hmm. and the one with Jay on the front throwing up the diamond and it's him with the bandana. It's like the compilation album, but, you know, they call it his one of his solo albums, but it's more of a compilation. The intro on that album is so crazy to me. Like that beat, um, just the way he was like, that was like one of the first times that I can remember trying to write to somebody else's joint and come up with my own, you know, verses or write as I used to have a lot in old magazines called battle bars, like part one, part two. And I try to like write some of the like slickest disses towards whoever, um, nobody in particular, but just like a, a very universal, just battle bars trying to like get punchlines in stuff like that. So I would have to say 14, 15 was like one of the first times that I started trying to write rhymes and, and put put everything together. It wasn't good, but you know, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. It was my it was my first attempt. So, yeah, probably 14 or 15. <laughs> uh when did uh, so I imagine your kind of your 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 perspective that you just kind of talked about was similar in 2015 when you wrote uh Say My Peace. Uh am I correct on that or yeah, that's that's when that uh, that 2015 is when say my piece came out, um, produced by um, my DJ and longtime friend Last Word. Um, we dropped that yeah, about a year after the Colors of Black came out. Yeah. So when did um, so, you, so you fast forward uh, to now? When did or has it at all how your kind of your 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 current uh, perspective on hip hop as an artist how? Has it changed since 2015? And if so, how has it changed? Yeah, like, I would say my personal my personal perspective has changed both musically, uh, internally, outwardly, just across the board, and how I even view artists. Because um, I remember I can, you know, if I'm going back to the earlier the earlier material that I used to have, a lot of it was like, you know, anti, the, the, whole, the whole like quote unquote anti-swag mm -hmm. talk and like, you know, no skinny jeans and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, when we were still like wearing baggy clothes right. at that time and, and kind of like, kind of rebelling against the mainstream to some degree. And that's still, you still kind of see that happening. Um, 
But for me, it was more so like, I'm more like anti-false. Like for me, I'm just not, I'm like, I'm fine with whoever wants to say what they want to say and how they do it. And it's something about people giving off a feel or something that seems authentic or something that seems like them. Some people sell it well, and some people you can just tell they're like fraudulent frauds. But right. for, for me, it's, it's definitely about now at this point in my life, do I, do I personally think the music is good um, and not worrying about what may be the main, uh, what the main narrative is. Because the main narrative is on, on a few different sides is, all oh, these guys who don't have deals or they're underground, they're bitter and they're upset and they're, and they're just like old and stuck in their ways. But then you got the other flip where it's like all these dudes are just like not talking about anything and just money, cars, clothes, and women. And there's, there's like this weird like generational thing happening, but then even across the board, like there's people from multiple generations, no matter the age or look or demographic, that share some of those same um, perspectives or uh opinions on music across the board mm -hmm. um but for me it's definitely you know when i wrote that song say my piece i was in a place where i wasn't sure what direction i wanted my career to go into um and then i also was kind of like shook on do i try to convert and like quote unquote experiment you know, and tell everybody, oh, I'm just trying something new to like, you know, do the triplet flow and, Man. you know, try to, but it's like, why and how when I've like built a career on just being, being myself. And I, and I can definitely give credit to Fontaine, uh, Sky Zoo, um, and Joe Budden for being artists that I think have always kind of stuck to them doing their, their music and their art, how they've always wanted to do it and never like steering away from that path. Like whether they want to sing on a song or they want to just straight, you know, just bar you to death or, but still make a good song in doing that, then they'll do that. And I don't think that the, and I think that's, those are the guys that I look to for inspiration. Even if I don't hear everything that they do, that's the stuff that keeps me going because, um, yeah, just something about the authenticity and sticking and staying true to your guns and not trying to fit in because it's the thing right now. Um, whether that is being a more lyrical artist or even being an artist that isn't as lyrical and you're more melodic, I think for me it's just more so trying to accept, you know, everyone as they come, and then once I hear what I hear, then it's up to me to decide do I like it because I like all types of music. You know, I think over the years my, my palate has really expanded. And someone I can give credit to for that is, um, is definitely my friend and DJ Last Word is, you know, years ago, I can't remember how long, but probably right around the time when we first started working together, he straight up told me, he was like, yeah, you should probably like to start expanding, you know, what you listen to and study and study other people's material, whether it's pop music or folk music or indie music and other and different types of artists and seeing how they put songs together mm -hmm. um, on top of just rapping. So a lot of the, like, and I'm, I'm so I'm such a sponge at this point because um, I want my music to continue to grow and to expand and and my palette as far as sound is concerned. So I listen to so many different things and so many different artists um, with an open mind. And, um, and I think that's probably been my biggest, biggest push is like, how can I expand my taste without just listening to stuff, trying to like figure out what's the next quote unquote wave right. and just, and just copy. I've never really been into that. And I'm with, and I say the same, whether it's, an artist that's more lyrical an artist that finds themselves being, being less lyrical. I'm like, just do you. Like, whatever you feel the most comfortable and the most truthful with, um, just do it then. 
versus thinking about oh, people aren't going to like it because I'm, I'm actually I got a, a real quote unquote real message, or oh man they they might not like it because you know I'm I'm being a little bit more you know shallow. But right. if you really think about it, man, like so many different artists told that line so well. I think an artist like Boss, like I really love Boss's music. He signed to Dreamville. Like anybody would tell you, he's he's like one of my favorites right now. Him, Fonte, like I love people who can tell the line of like still like being lyrical and having meaning, but still like making a fun a fun record or a record that like can do so many different things. And um, I, I like hearing I like hearing people do that. And it sounds um, it sounds official and it sounds real. It doesn't sound um, you know forced or you know contrived, so to speak. Right, and that's like uh, something uh, the big thing about uh, Chris Rivers is his new album um, GITU. Uh, okay. A lot of it, it, what he what he says is that he's finally making music he wants to make versus the music he's supposed he, he's expected to make, um, and being that you know because he's like because he has this like huge legacy to follow, you know, big pun. Uh, they everyone wanted him to be big pun, but he was like realizing that he wasn't supposed to be. He has to be himself, you know. Where no, that makes sense. That makes plenty of sense. Um, so the the journey to a smile is gonna be is gonna be your new album. Uh, it's kind of the first thing, you know. For me, I've heard from you in four, in four years, right? Um, why why the break? And were you just did you stop writing, or were you still writing? Uh, what happened? Yeah, for me, it was definitely around the lines of I was still writing. So the break really for the album wasn't. Um, yeah, the break really wasn't like around I'm just going to stop doing music because I had been pretty much, I started writing The Journey to a Smile in May of 2015. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. So I started writing it uh, in May of 2015. And I think the first, one of the first, uh, like one of the first beats that I actually remember getting was um, for, for one of the tracks called Praying Since 22. Mm -hmm. And the initial song that I wrote to it was just not good. Um, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good joint at all. But I remember like having that beat first, and then there were a couple joints that I got that I don't even think I don't think made the the project. But yeah, I started writing the album back in May of 2015, and then as we got later into different songs, once I think I wrote all that, and then Black Moses, like I wrote those two joints, and I'm like, okay, I think I know like where I'm going. And then by the time we got to like 2016, I can't remember how many songs I had, but I had like double digit amount of songs and we just kept writing, kept recording and just trying out different things and getting different sounds from PC, who's the producer on the album. And, um, and really what took the, it's like, it took the album about an hour or not an hour, but a year and a half, close to like two years to write and record. And then and even like, a little bit of mixing, but it really was like the mixing process um, and the mastering process and artwork and getting all of that stuff tightened up that is really what took um, the longest to put together and get finalized and finished, um, oh. if I'm being all the way honest with you. so. But I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't just like posting and sharing the same old stuff and wasn't doing a bunch of shows with material that was really old and, and just, just in order to like make a few hundred dollars just to, just for the sake of doing it. So while I'm writing the album and recording, um, I had started getting involved in like 
um, doing some teaching artist work, so doing residencies at nice. different schools and, and organ, organizations and things of that nature. So I was like diversifying my skill set across the board, um, not only like, you know, performing, writing and, and recording, but also sharing this, this gift with other people um, and what it takes to write a verse or write a poem or put, put your words together and what it takes to perform something as well as, you know, having a small business um, more recently. So all of these different things were, like, kind of taking place in the midst of the process. But I made sure I was intentionally quiet on social media. Like, I would post here and there if something, like a show was happening. You know, like, I had a show with Black Milk in 2016 or 17. You know, I would post and share those types of things. Mm -hmm. But but I didn't want to, like, just overshare information just for the sake of staying in people's faces. Right. Um, because then after a while, people start saying, hey, man, when's the next album coming? You know, when's the next? Because that's what they want from you. Um, and, and trying to be as positive about it as possible versus, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, posting information. And uh, and then you don't have anything to give people. And it's like, no, they're, they're, they follow you because they want to see and hear new music from you. After a while, you just posting random you know, rhetoric and 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 and, and banter, right. it gets played out, and people might lose interest because right. um, it's a very fast-paced environment on social media. And um, I'd rather be quiet and then say something once every couple of months versus say something every day and I have nothing to offer or nothing thoughtful to contribute to the conversation. So me, it was more about intentional contribution. And then if I felt like I wanted to share some information about what we're doing in the studio, I would do that here and there. But I kind of like the element of mystery still. I, I like that there's that you can, at least as much as possible, try to have some sort of element of, of mystery. And if that's how you decide to manage your 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 presentation, I think so be it. Where some people, they're like, Talib with it, like they're they're tweeting and texting and Instagramming all day. You right. know what I mean? Like you yeah. know, you know that they're there, you know. Versus some people like a Kendrick or J Cole, they're a little bit more in the background with it, and uh, which I like too. You know what I mean? I think everyone has their own way of, of of doing it, and I think that's the the beauty of all of it is you you get to pick and choose how much you share or what you don't share. And I guess I feel more on the spectrum of falling back and just kind of paying attention to see what was happening in music and happening in Minneapolis and nationally and just how music was starting to sound and, or what people were trying or wanted their music to sound like. Um, but I knew, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know necessarily what people's response would be to the, to the music when it came out, but I definitely felt really positive about everything. I felt really confident about how things were sounding, what I was saying, how the production sounded, how it was mixed. Um, so I, I went into it with a positive a positive outlook and um, and an attitude for sure. Uh, the title of the album, "The Journey to a Smile." Uh, when when well, when when did you come up with that title? But two, I mean, can you tell the story behind the title and the meaning for you? Yeah, um, you know, for me, um, the title, you know, kind of all of it, like from the insignia around the the, the peace sign and the, and the balloon. You know, to be all the way honest with you, like um, a good friend of mine that lives outside of this, outside of Minneapolis, initially um, we had like this inside. You know, people have like nicknames and slang between each other sometimes, mm -hmm. or personal, like personal inside jokes or, or thoughts or whatever. It was kind of um, 
kind of like that. And initially, the balloon kind of started off as a symbol to, like, our connection as friends. Our connection is being tight. And um, and so it kind of started there, and it represented, like, you know, just in general, like, love and unity and positivity and being light and not, like, holding on to things and being able to let things go and things of that nature. And then as time went on, I was like, I really like what I think this stands for. And then also I'm big on peace and, and love and equality or and things of that nature. So I wanted it to be about that. And then, you know, initially I think, you know, the, 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 the title was like one of those things where I felt like I had been on this, this, this journey, but I was on this journey of like trying to figure out like, what does it mean to be happy? You know, what does it really mean to, to, to find oneself and be positive at no matter what the circumstance um, and kind of writing or coming up with a title around that, around just genuine happiness, whether, you know, whether, you know, it's raining outside, you feel you're good regardless, whether, you know, you got a good job the next day, you feel good, no matter the circumstance, you're, you're good to go. And I, and I can honestly say too, I think pairing that in with some of my spiritual practices as of recent in the last few years, that definitely played a, a huge part in impacting the title, um, the journey to a smile, um, and those spiritual practices being, uh, Buddhism mm. and, and trying to keep like a level head um, regardless and, and for me maintaining my relationship with the creator um, and really trying to write from that place in a place of honesty and authenticity versus just what do I think people want to hear from me since I've been gone for so long but like what is what do I feel like is my perspective or my story as an artist and how can I share that hundred um, percent, you know, without, without any type of filtering um, or, or anything of that nature. So it was really, it was really just based around a lot of like life circumstances mm. and my own per- perspective on where I was at personally, you know, really like being out of that, that dark place, which the colors of black represented when it dropped in 2014 and really making some intentional changes on like how I treat people, myself, how I live and move in the world, the type of work that I'm doing. Um, the, the title was definitely impacted by that, which, you know, then it also, it, it and I think the, the, the title of the album only comes up once and that's in the intro of the album and the very beginning of the record. Um, and other than after that, it, it, I don't think I say it anymore, but it just kind of was like a good way to also start, you know, um, to start a project too. And I was like, I think this would be dope to say, I feel like this is the reason why all of us are living is to like figure out what is it that makes us smile. So it's mm-hmm. not just a one-time smile, but like what, what can that serve as a metaphor to? Could it serve as a metaphor to, um, you know, all of those different things that I named earlier. Is it like having a successful career, your family, or how do you go from one place to the next? And how do you maintain that? You know, how does one, how does one maintain, um, you know, that particular consistency with, uh, with one's, you know, with one's life and what is, yeah, what is it that you're, that, what is it that makes you happy and being able to speak to that stuff, you know, honestly and accurately as well. Oh, so what, with the title of the album, uh, well, kind of, what was your your thought process in terms of, uh, starting off the album with the track Dear Mama? Yeah, it's, um, you know, for me, deeper, deeper than what other people might think, for me, it was definitely just a way of saying, like, I really do hope that, 
when you hear this or that when other people hear this, it's like an ode to like, not only just like my mom and grandma, but like just an ode to almost everyone to like see where I was and where I'm at now. Mm. And a lot of the different bars and lyrics that I drop in that particular track, but really around like change, um, living, you know, really just embracing the situation as it is and just change and impermanence in a lot of ways and positivity and, and not doing it in a way that's corny, you know, in like a Joel Osteen, you know, uh, type of way, which, you know, there's, I've rocked with him in the past because I like some of the messages he has to share, but like doing it in a way that's not cheesy, but like doing it in a way that like it comes from, it really comes from the heart. It comes from a genuine place. Um, and I really just wanted that track to serve as... Um, I, I'm going. I've, I've gone from one place to another. Like I'm on a different, a different mindset, a different path. Uh, going from this like not so great place to really figuring out and feeling as if I know exactly now. It all clicks. It all makes sense. Um, like I know what I'm doing. I feel like I know what I'm doing, <laughs> um, even when I don't know what I'm doing. It just feels more. It feels authentic. It feels real. It feels as if. And I wanted every line to count, too. Like, I wanted every single line to count, not only just on the intro track, but on every single song that we wrote for the project that didn't even make the album. I wanted everything to be as intentional and count. Like, every bar. Like there, I feel like there's no fat lyrically on the album. Production-wise, I feel like there's no fat on the album. It's mm. all just stuff that was necessary. Mm. Uh, the track uh, Prank Since 22 is... Mad as f- like we had enough Then we stacking up to buy a Yeezy shirt That probably looks stabbed up And the funny boots Are we humming truth? I woke up like this That's another you I've been praying since 22 And that's all Every desire that I'm holding Got my hands hard Treat you like a Santa Claus Drop my spirit like a dollar in a well Salvation half off Like a product on a shelf If I'm out of life's greatest son you mentioned earlier I think it's, it's a really incredible track uh, you know you're, you're lyrically amazing and, and the beat is also equally incredible right um, can you tell me about uh, the creation of this track but also there's this decision you make at the end where you kind of like the last minute or plus that you let the track breathe you decide no lyrics at all kind of what was the process behind that decision yeah you know it, it, it kind of goes into the idea of uh, less is more mm-hmm um, and instead of and instead of uh, trying to overload it with more more rhymes or more more talking, I didn't want it to take away from what was just said previously in the in the the verse because the verse is like it starts off with drums and you know keys and everything, and then once it gets into the verse, like everything strips down, and you go straight into a synth and. And, a, and I think a bass line and then the drums come back in once the verse is done but it's kind of like I want folks to hang on to every single word like and think about what was what was said and, 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 and give them that and basically the only thing that we sprinkle in the track is an intermittent um, amen and yeah. then a pitch down high pitch voice and it kind of comes in and out and to me I think that's more effective giving people less um than trying to give them so much because then and it, yeah it is one of those things where you can decide to to give folks more but I wanted folks to hang on to everything that was just said previously and be like yo what did he just say here I got to rewind that right. or versus 
he's just going to go all the way through. Or, you know, another option that we thought about was as soon as the verse was over with, just like hitting him with a hard, heavy uh, piano key and then stopping the track and going right into the next joint. But I, we thought it would just be doper, more dope to um, extend the track out some and let it just kind of play out mm. and ride. And just give you, you know, just give you something also like ride off it, ride off it too at the end of a, a a particular joint like that. And the song that it transitions into is like a really nice transition as well too. But yeah, I, I thought it'd be a, a less is more. And I've always I've been kind of more of a minimalist in certain areas for the last I say seven years um, since the last great even. And then on the colors of black, we really tried to exercise a minimalist approach on you know vocals and, and not doing too much but like giving the the music a place as well on the song so it's not just all about the mc or the artist or the singers like no nah, we actually want the music to shine too i want pc to shine as well the producer you know mm. uh, it's a track that it does go into is uh faces uh it's yeah. another great track uh and it's it's kind of about how fans or even people have this I think their own perception of African Americans, and if African Americans, quote unquote, push back, then there's some pushback by these fans or other people. Beats bang, no, and every money tree comes with a stained rope, a couple food deserts, and some gentrified rain pope. But you the man, what's your plan? The crack a smile and keep satisfying fans. But why rap if it's water in a lost sea? Push the flowers up, hate what, what were you saying at the time that kind of, you know, you know, kind of, you said, all right, I got to write something about this and, and, and address this issue? Yeah, um, you know, a, a, a lot of different things went into that song. You know, a, a few different things went into it. One of the main inspirations that really stuck for me that stuck was uh, working with or touring with my friend who's out on the West Coast, Bamboo. Um, he was on tour with, with me and Brother Ali and Last Word in 2014. And he has a song on his, one of his uh, newer projects that came out a couple of years ago called uh, Pray for the Devil. And he's got a song on his album called Whiteface. And in that particular song, he's kind of breaking down just the, I guess, the attitudes and the, the his pers- perspective on how white fans or white consumers of music react or take in hip-hop music in general, um, how they treat maybe more socially conscious artists. And when I was listening to the beat for Now Faces at the time, something about like doing the chorus the way I did it just stuck into my head. I was like, what if I do sort of a, a sort of a, I guess you could say maybe a response or more so like a continuation of that song, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the first verse deals with not only, uh, you know, folks participating in maybe some activities that aren't necessarily the most, from my perspective at the time, like the most productive things or kind of like that weird paradox of we say that we want progress in these different things, but then on the flip, the way we're, the way we are doing things, there's like a, a very blatant uh, conflict uh, in how that's being uh, how that's being portrayed or how that's being shown, but then it's also like that weird, like even if people are just kind of doing them, the response to it all um, 
isn't the most positive, or maybe those things that may be seen as the negative things are the only things that the mass consumers want to see from a particular group of people. You know, maybe it is we just want to hear you, you know, say some ignorant things, or maybe we just want you to seem like you're stupid or not be that you're not educated or intelligent versus we want you to be a critical thinker or a globally minded person or take care of your family or, you know, take care of yourself and be entrepreneurial and value education or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's why I kind of start the course off with, uh, they only want to smile at the black face. So it's like, yeah, you can smile, you can be happy, you can be these things, but you can't complain. You can't have any gripes about how the world works. You just have to take it and bear it um, and grin the whole time. Right. Um, and then going off into the second verse, it was like, you know, uh, like the, the, the line for 30 years, they can never say my name right. It's like a direct a direct experience that I've had and still sometimes have my, my government name is Malik and people, um, primarily white people like butcher the name sometimes still, you know, and that's been happening since I was a kid, you know, but then on that flip, I say they can never say my name, right? Well, whatever, just as long as it's in plain sight. So it's like, okay, it's cool. You can butcher it all you want to, but as long as somebody knows who I am or if they like big me up, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with it. You know, it's like, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll take the the I'll take the the good with the bad. Mm. If that makes any sense. And then yeah, and then the second verse just goes deeper into criticizing quote unquote the quote unquote majority for some of their activities and actions towards um, people of color, specifically black people. Um, and from my perspective too, I didn't want to make a song that was you know ripping off of what somebody else did or or trying to sound extra educated or deep on the topic i wanted to keep it as simple and as forward as possible and there's obviously some poetic devices in there some lyricism and some wordplay and 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 things of that nature but i also just wanted to make sure that it was as natural and as authentic as possible and i wasn't i wasn't like trying to do something be be somebody or be something that i wasn't i didn't want to try to Make a, a song like Common, which I, who I, you know, absolutely respect and and, and love his music. He's a legend in hip hop. But I didn't want to like try to take something out of his book. I didn't want to try to take something out of I Self Divine's book. I didn't want to try to take something out of my friend Ali's book. You know, like I wanted to just make a Mali version or Mali song um, on this particular topic. Right, and, and imagine, you know, I mean, you you obviously, you probably know this more than anything, but, like, fans hear that, right? Like, fans will hear if something's forced. Mm-hmm, and for they sure. and they will, they will unfortunately harp on the force, for, I don't know, forceness is the right word here, forceness of the track versus the actual right. message in the track. Right, they definitely will. And I mean, and that's, I think that takes a little bit of, you know, one thing I've learned is, 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 is self-awareness. Uh, is being self-aware in those situations because usually I think sometimes we can fall victim to opinions and the the chatter and the banter whether it's real or not um, and fall victim to that thinking oh this is what they want from me or how they want it from me and then before you know it it's like you're just you're looking crazy (laughs) you know like people got you out here looking crazy and, and don't and, and won't necessarily be there to ride, fall on that sword with you when 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 it's time to, unfortunately. 
you, you mentioned uh, a PC uh, a few times in our interview, and PC is the producer for this album. And and you know, I think you've, you've said you said when you heard it, he was a breath, a breath of fresh air working with him, and his sound was completely different than any other producers you've had worked with. Um, what was that first beat? that he kind of played for you for the album that kind of blew you away? And then was there a beat that wasn't a, a Mali beat, so to say, and you, you knew it was going to be challenging, but you wanted and you were ready to accept that challenge? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, like, the thing with, with PC um, was just his, his whole style. Like, a lot of people like, yo, he's got, like, a Detroit kind of sound. And I'm like, really? So then I go back and listen to artists like uh, Zoe, uh, who works with Fonte and works with Carmen Rogers. Um, you know, he's a keyboard player and producer. And some of PC's work would have, like, it'd be real synth-heavy. Um, most of it sample-free, and then sometimes we, we'd have samples. But one of the first joints that he sent me, it was just, like, straight drum, kick, snare, uh, you know, and uh, in a synth. But the way, it the way it swung, like the swing of it all, it was like, yo, and I think I wrote like a song called I Just Want You to Love Me. And that particular song uh, didn't even make, that song didn't even make, um, didn't even make the the record. Mm. But um, I was like, yo, I gotta, I gotta work with this cat some more because it's just got a sound that's super, super organic. And, um, and I think that is totally different from everything that I've ever done in the past. Mm. Um, and I, I thought it was just a necessary thing. And when we did that particular song, I was like, yo, you got more. So then he sent me two more and, and I'm, and, and I think everything that he sent me, even the stuff that isn't quote unquote, like his greatest is still dope. And that's a nice. hard, that, that's like a hard, that's like a good problem to have, yeah. but it makes it difficult because it, it makes you, it puts you in a position of wanting to write and make a song to everything. Even if the song doesn't come out good, you right. feel tempted to want to write to everything. And that was the position, the position that I found myself in was, uh, man, I want to write to everything. I want to make, you know, I want to, you know, and he's like, we should just make 50 songs. And I was like, I don't know if we got that much time to write, <laughs> to make 50 joints. But um, it was just, and he had so many different, so many different styles across the board uh, when it came to production. And a lot of the first, the first batch of, of beats that he played for me were really synth heavy, um, really synth, but they, but man, it was like coming up with stuff, like content for him. It was such a breath of fresh air. It was like nothing trying to come up with, with with words or, you know, hum some melodies or hum some choruses to myself and try to come up with ideas, whether they made the project or not. It's still good when the music is, is, is that good where you're still able to just come up with something to it. Because sometimes there's a lot of music that I've gotten in the past where I just don't feel it. And I'm like, I can't even come up with anything to this. Um, <laughs> you know, and I find myself, but in a position with him, it's like, I could probably go this direction and make another version of this song. So it was always easier or, or more. And it was just fun, too. I just found myself in a position of being excited to create again awesome. um, and coming out of a, a, a more of a darker, more 
more simpler, simplistic, you know, side of, of, of production, which I think the colors of black was did what it was supposed to do and it did well. And we had some we got some like really powerful songs on that project. But then transitioning into coming out of that, it's like when you come out of something dark, you know, you want the mood to reflect. You want the production, the mood of the production, at least for me, to to reflect, you know, where you're at personally. And sometimes you can't really put a finger on what direction you want to go into until you hear that particular sound, until you just hear it and you just know. It's like, yeah, this is where we got to go. You know, this is where... I want to take it. Um, and I was like, I was blown away. Cause once again, um, everything he was sending me for the most part was all just crazy. It was a super dope. And I'm like, yo, this is a really good problem to have. So I'm like, I'm gonna try my best to write to everything. And in the mix, you know, we ended up writing like, or I ended up writing and recording like 30 joints. Um, and out of the 30, I would say, 27 of them were 20, 26 or 27 of them. I was like, all right, these could potentially make the cut. And then out of those 26, 27, uh, I want to say 19 of them, you know, were for sure, for sure. Like songs that I would, I want, I would want people to hear. Mm. What, so what happens to the tracks that don't make the cut for you? I mean, are they just gone and forgotten or are they going to be on a, you know, would you re rewrite them for a different project or would you keep them as is? Um, you know, the ones that for sure, like I've got, I've got a handful that didn't make the album. Um, and you know, I do have some, some plans for those, uh, down the line, but not completely sure, but I'm just glad that there's still, you know, some, uh, you know, some juice still left in the tank, um, so to speak. And then the ones that, you know, the ones that didn't make it completely, you know, I don't know if I'll go back and write to them. I might, but I might be stuck in the mode of, you know, I only see this particular song for this reason or for this topic. So I don't know if I'd be able to rewrite my way out of that thought process on that particular song. Um, I mean, but God willing that if I were to, then I'd have, a whole lot more or I might go back and listen to something and be like oh actually this song isn't you know actually it's still it, I could potentially throw it into the fold um that could that could very well happen too but yeah we definitely have some that are still in the tuck that we plan on on doing some stuff with um but you know we've been he's PC's been sending me a bunch of uh and he's based out of Minneapolis as well, too. So it's easy to, you know, at least connect when we need to in person and, and things of that nature. But he's been sending me, you know, more new material to to listen to. So we're definitely trying to find a way to stay, at least stay creative. Maybe not necessarily just blow out another full album, so to speak, but at least keep the creative conversation going. Nice. Um, so I think that's still going to be you know, a, a thing for sure, which I'm, I'm thankful for that we that we, we found a groove and after putting out the journey to a smile. So I think we want to, we want to continue on and, and just keep it going and, and use this as a springboard into, into the next, uh, to the next wave as they call it. So, yeah. Uh, here's my last question. Uh, you know, the, the journey to, to a smile is out. Um, is there a, kind of a, a maybe a lyric or you know a line that you wrote that kind of 
represents to you the the purpose of this album uh the, the other the purpose of the album yeah i would have to say uh i wish i could say all of them right <laughs> but that, that wouldn't answer the question um for me i would definitely have to say i guess i'll say two and, and kind of break the rules one of them would have to be the chorus on blessed and it would be blessed and highly favored far from perfect but when I arrive, I'm going to say what up. And what I meant by that is, is like, I'm in a good position right now. I'm not perfect. But when I get to the place that I want to be at, like, I'm going to just wave. Like, I'm going to just say what's good. Like, say what's up. Like, everything is all good. And then I would also have to say um, on all that, the chorus on, on all that would have to be uh, take it slow, Life is free. Um, take it slow. You got a right to breathe, and our lives can be all that. It's just this idea of like slowing down and breathing, and just and being able to like taking the scenery uh, of what's going on in front of being being able to just take in and enjoy what's what's happening in front of you, and just making sense of it all, and not and not overthinking it, but but just accepting life as it is and really enjoying yourself and enjoying those around you. And, and, and whether we have more than one of these lives to live after this particular form, I don't necessarily know, but if this is the one life that we do have that we know of, and definitely it's like, yeah, if you're going to do that, um, take your time, you know, uh, breathe, smile, enjoy, like have a good time, you know, really have a good time with life in general. Um, and, and yeah, just, in, just enjoy yourself on the way, not taking handling responsibilities, but like not taking it so far out of context and taking it too seriously. You know, I, I, I think sometimes I laugh at a lot of stuff. Like I laugh a lot. And I think sometimes that can make people uncomfortable if, if they're talking about something serious, but sometimes under the mold where it's like, sometimes you have to, you have to laugh. You just have to, like you have to smile along the way. Cause sometimes certain things just aren't that deep. And I think we're in a time where it's either like people are just indifferent and don't care, or they're in a place where they care like way too much sometimes or everything is like, taken out of context in the name of like hypersensitivity. Um, everyone is just on guard and walking on eggshells. You know, you can't really like say how you feel about things or you can't, you can't, you can't have certain conversations because everyone's not ready to have certain conversations, you know? Um, and I think that takes a certain amount of like honesty and looking in the mirror to be able to do that. So um, I answered your, I feel like I answered your question, but I also just kept going. So I tend to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, new album, uh, The Journey to a Smile. Uh, finally got to speak to you, which is great. Uh, Mally, thank you so much for being on the library uh, with Tim Heineckel. The, the new album is great, so I definitely, I definitely uh, am happy that uh, you're create, you created it. Yeah, man, I'm glad that it's out. You know, people are really rocking with it, you know, and, and really, you know, uh, enjoying the record, sharing it with people. You know, we dropped the video for the song Anymore. Um about a week ago or so, um, or a little bit ago, not not too long ago, 
and people are really messing with the visuals and I definitely got more visuals on the way and, and things of that nature. So I guess, you know, if I, if I could ask a question, um, you know, what for you have you really enjoyed about the project or what, you know, was, was like, yo, I'm really looking forward to this. So what, what's stood out to you, whether, whether it's concepts or lyrics or whatever, like what's really stood out to you um, for the project, if, if you don't mind me asking. No, I, I really like the, um, Twofold. I mean, I, I definitely the, the the music choices. Uh, I thought were fit were perfectly fitting to your your voice. Uh, there was nothing that you know, nothing that you know you you you, you didn't over you, you didn't overshadow the music, and the music didn't overshadow you. And uh, there were those moments where I feel like you did it on praying since twenty two, and probably faces where your your voice was really part of that part of the instrumental. If that makes sense. Nice. Yeah, that makes plenty of sense. Um, uh, which is what I, you know, which I, I like, you know, that's I mean, something about, you know, I like when producers are, and artists as well, are, are conscious of of the power of their of their artist's voice or the, their own voice. Um, and they try not to overpower, you know, they, and they, so that, that worked. And I think every song, you know, there, there was, every song played into each other and you didn't, you felt, felt weird skipping if, you know, like, ah, that's what's up. <laughs> like so, like even though any so even though any more was like the single that Matt sent, and it's I don't know song number it's, it's down like number ten or twelve on the whatever on the album. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, am I supposed to play that? Like I, you know, I I I was like, I don't. So and I think I did. I tried to play it first, and I was like, this doesn't make this is not. I shouldn't be doing this. Hold on. I, and and when I got to when I played, you know, Dear Mama, I went through all the tracks. I was like, yeah, it makes sense not to. You don't don't go to track twelve first. Go to one and then go through and 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 mm-hmm. made you know made perfect sense. So that's what you know. I like you know albums that are holes, right? Like you know you 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 get some albums out there that the first three songs you you know you, you understand what the concept is and you you're like all right I don't have to hear anymore, right? I know what they're yeah. doing. Um, <laughs> this one I knew what the concept was, but I but but there but but I had to hear more. Like I you know like to to get the full you know understanding of what the concept is, you have to hear the complete album versus. Some albums you hear that you get the concept by hearing just three three out three songs and you're you're good to go. That's dope, man. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. That's good to know. That's really good to know. And I, you know, what I mean, it's like this is something that uh, last word and I pride, kind of pride ourselves on is, is being able to put try to put together at least well sequenced albums, you know, from start to finish. Um, and I think. I try to come at it with a, a a filmmaker's mind or having like a nice intro, whether it's a big, heavy hitting, just feel good moment. And then there's like the middle point and then there's, you know, the low point, the high point again, and then it ends off kind of, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of way. Uh, yeah. And that, and that, and that was a conscious decision is because at first I was kind of struggling with what song should I pick? And, and to give you some secrets, I was like, I could do Black Moses, but I feel like that would be the easy pick of a mm. song, you know, uh, and that because that basically starts the album out, and I think it starts the album out, you know, pretty well. But I feel like that would have just been too easy to start the album out with that particular song. So I was like, let me pick another song that I really enjoy or I'm proud of, and that I think also touches on that idea of like self-assessment, the journey, looking at oneself, looking at the world, things of that nature. And I was like, any more might be different. And yeah, it's not like within like the first four songs, but it's still like a, a song that just like, when it came out, people were like, yo, like, 
they did yeah, similar thing. They didn't. It didn't make sense completely because they're like, yo, like this is the single. You know, because everybody hits you with the single, they kind of hit you with the feel good, you know, the feel good joint, not the super like thoughtful one. They right. hit you with the the easy joint. But I was like, let me try hitting somebody with this first instead. And that was honestly like one of the first songs that got mixed on, that got mixed for the record. And when it came back, I was like, yo, this song's gonna be dope when it's done. You know, I just knew, like, I just felt like I felt really good about anymore. And um, we, that's one of the songs we did this one of the first videos for. And the video we did for it came out really nice. My guy Jason Ho from Dream 19 Films did it. I think he did a crazy job on the, just the simplistic, the simplicity around the visuals and some of the abstract uh, concepts we threw in there. And, um, yeah, man, we made it work. We definitely, uh, I think we're making it work. And PCs, please. Everyone that had a hand in it, like Medium Zach, who engineered the album, Paul Utaka, Last Word, they helped with some of the sequencing and additional, you know, production of the overall record. Um, yeah, Abby Wolf on Flying, uh, Asha Belk on the f- photography, and then Keith Williams on the artwork. Like, it was one big team, a one big, it was like a big, small team of people who just helped um, put it all together. So, like I tell people, it's like if you support the record or do any type of streaming or spins or T-shirts or whatever, like you're supporting my friends that help, you know, put this album together with me. Um, it, it, you know, I'm the one in front, so to speak, but there's, there's a lot of uh, a lot of great people that that put their time and effort into this record as well. So I can't I can't talk about the album without talking about them as well. So yeah, I'm super grateful and folks like yourself that have been hitting me up to, to have discussions and, and are sharing it as well. Like, you guys play a big part in why folks really mess with the record um, or just taking their time to listen to it in the first place. So I'm super thankful and, and grateful for that, too. So thank you, man. Stand on it because the truth don't bend while these other mo don't pretend like they real anymore. You know it don't matter no more. Is it lust? Is it love? Then you can't go wrong. And now we all won't shine, but it just ain't gold. It got me questioning my soul like, is it real anymore? You know it don't matter no more. Is it lust? Is it love? Then you can't go wrong. And now we all won't shine, but it just ain't gold. It got me questioning my soul like, is it real anymore?